Hello, Realtors. Welcome to the Legal Podcast. I'm Byron King, lawyer here at uh, South Carolina Association of Realtors. Tiara, introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm Tiara Pitts, one of the attorneys on the team and the director of fair housing here at SCR. And you can reach us at the legal hotline. That's 803-712-3478 uh, or info at screaltors.org or byron at screaltors.org or austin at screaltors.org or tpitts at screaltors.org. Today we got a special guest star. We got uh, Todd Beckstrom, ERA here in Columbia. Todd, if you can introduce yourself and talk about the NAR Professional Standard Committee 2022 and 2023 summaries. Thanks, Byron. Uh, yeah, it's been my pleasure to serve at the local, state, and national level on professional standards uh, for many, many years, uh, and to be a part of changes to our code of ethics, which, as you know, is a living, breathing document. Right? It changes every year, um, and it is what makes us who we are. It's, it's the reason this organization exists. Uh, the realtor organization. So uh, Byron had asked me to come in. Uh, actually, I'm going to be 2024 uh, professional standards vice chair and then move to chair in 2025. I'm really excited about that and, and uh, hopefully making some positive changes to our code of ethics. Uh, so from 2022, uh, these are changes that took place in January of 2023. So I wanted to go over those quickly. Um, so we revised Article 10 and other parts of the uh, realtor code of ethics to take out the word um, handicapped and insert disability instead. We thought it was more appropriate uh, language uh, given the time um, and uh, we made that change. Uh, we also made a revision to standard of practice uh, 3-9 and that's for realtors shall not provide access to listed properties on terms other than those established by the owner or the seller. In the past it said the owner or the listing broker and as you, we know the listing broker does not own the listing uh, and should not be able to grant access. Uh, and so we added the terms because a lot of times the owner is not the seller, right? There could be an estate, there could be somebody else representing that seller uh, who can make, who's not the owner. Um, so we made that change. We also, uh, there was a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of talk about what constitutes a real estate professional. Uh, and for purposes of Article 15 of the Code of Ethics, uh, it's those who are engaged in um, the disciplines of real estate specified in Article 11 of the Code of Ethics, uh, and you guys can find those there. So uh, pretty easy. We wanted to make it consistent throughout the code. Um, we also clarified that if you, um, you're prohibited from serving in more than one capacity in an ethics or arbitration matter, uh, and that also applies to if you're um, an ombudsman, which I am, or a mediator. Um, I could not um, sit on a hearing panel. I could not sit on a grievance committee. I could not sit on a board of directors uh, that would be uh, certifying that decision, if you will. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also clarified that hearings cannot be heard anonymously, that any complaint referred to a hearing must include a complainant so they get to face their accuser. Uh, if it's a member of the grievance committee, uh, it, it could be that as well. And they, they basically um, uh, shoulder the burden of proof, right, in an in a, uh, ethics uh, hearing. Uh, we also, uh, there's something called an expedited hearing process. Uh, the grievance committees now have latitude to determine if the conduct alleged in the complaint is sufficiently egregious enough, like a public trust issue, for example, to warrant a hearing rather than a waiver to a right of hearing. Uh, so we were having some situations where we had some pretty bad things coming and they said, we'd just like to use the expedited and we'll go ahead and be found guilty. But they were violations of the public trust and we thought those have to go to a hearing now. Uh, and the grievance committee can make that decision as, as far as there. 
Um, we also removed the board president from the process of receiving a copy of the ethics complaint. Uh, those will also will now be carried out by the standard, uh, the professional standards administrator. Um, and also only realtor principals can invoke arbitration and it has to be with another realtor principal. So as you know, the broker in charge principal uh, broker can invoke arbitration and has to be against another principal broker. It can't be agent versus agent. Uh, so we clarified that. Uh, if there's a non-realtor principal, uh, they are not required to arbitrate. Uh, so it's important to note as well. Um, the, we amended policy statement 45, which is you have the right to, uh, as an association or a board to publish the name of code of ethics violators and the citation policy. Uh, and uh, if you've taken that choice and you want to do that, you voted that that's going to be your policy, um, then the rules have to be adopted by the association. And we made some minor amendments to modernize 24 case interpretations found online. Uh, just to kind of clean it up. So those were the 22 changes that went into place in 23. Um, we're now uh, almost to December. Uh, you know, almost, it's, we're holiday time now. We just got back from the NAR um, next convention in Anaheim. And um, we made some, some changes there as well, which were voted on by the board of directors. And one important one that was not uh, sent forward uh, that you'll see in the future, I'll go ahead and cover it as well. So the first one was, um, it says that mediation shall, uh, shall be offered uh, when a complaint comes in. And actually we changed that to may be offered when a complaint comes in. Um, it does not have to be, some people want it to go through, some associations want it to go through the grievance process. So you may offer it up front or you may offer it after the grievance, right? So uh, two different ways. Uh, we talked about access to properties earlier. You cannot misrepresent as a listing agent uh, the availability of a property uh, to show and perhaps let your friend or broker show their buyer the property uh, when it's being held out for other people. Uh, we made some changes to the chair guides, which I think those of you who are chairing hearings are going to like. Uh, one is uh, pronouns. We changed he and she, him and her, to they, them, and their. Okay? Uh, instead of ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's changed now to panel members and hearing participants. All right, that was a great change as well. Board or boards is changed to association or asso uh, uh, associations. Um, and some, some people still call themselves the board, right? Uh, so in that case, they can still use that terminology. It doesn't have to be. Um, you can't talk about offers that were made during mediation during an arbitration hearing and say, well, you offered me this during then. You can't bring that up anymore. So as the chair, you're going to be responsible for saying, hey, that can't be brought up. Uh, and then a lot of times we use alternate panel members and they're sitting on the panel in case something happens or maybe we're trying to bring somebody along and get them seasoned uh, for their first hearing. As you know, they can't go to, into executive session, they can't comment, they can't ask questions. Uh, but we thought it would be great to identify them, state the names to the parties and what their role is going to be and why they're there. Uh, so that is in the chair guides as well now. Uh, if you have a member who has been placed on probation and whatever sentence they had was kind of held, held out uh, because they're just on probation. If they mess up within a year period, you can go back and put that, uh, pro, you know, take them, uh, keep them on probation or suspend them or uh, re-invoke the punishment uh, that would originally been meted out. Uh, so that was good. Uh, the next one is something, uh, Article 4 of the Code of Ethics, and, and anybody who knows Article 4, 
Uh, it basically has to do with any ownership interest that you may have as an agent uh, when you're buying or selling real estate. All right, so you have to disclose to the public. Uh, there was a uh, case in a situation where a trust was selling a property and the realtor didn't uh, disclose that her husband was the trustee, right? And when we went back and looked at the code of ethics, that didn't have to be disclosed. So now it's actually going to include any entity. Uh, the language that the committee brought forward uh, and took to um, the executive committee and onto the board of directors, the original language says, realtors who represent themselves, a member of their immediate family, their firm, or any entity in which the realtor has a legal interest or has a present or contemplated interest in the property for sale or lease, must disclose in writing the existence of such a relationship or interest to all parties to the transaction prior to any party signing any agreement. Okay, um, the executive committee actually um, thought the language was a little bit too legal and uh, dumbed it down, if you will, slightly and made it like a laundry list. And if you've ever read the Code of Ethics, which most of you have, that's not the way it reads. So it, it really wasn't in keeping with the, with the syntax and the way uh, that the uh, co regular Code of Ethics is written. Uh, so when it came before the Board of Directors, we spoke up and said, hey, we'd like to refer that back to the professional standards, back to the Interpretations and Procedures Advisory Board uh, to reword and send back to the, co uh, to the uh, Board of Directors for approval. And, and that was passed. But I just want to let you know that now it's going to include entities in which the interest uh, and also any contemplated interest that may be there. Um, the next thing was no member of the Board of Directors who referred a violation to grievance can serve on a tribunal that finalizes the decision. So if you've been on the uh, grievance committee uh, and you've actually sent that forward for a hearing as part of the grievance committee, you cannot serve uh, on the board of directors that finalizes that decision. Uh, we cleaned up some words and we also made sure that the chair uh, determines the relevancy of any uh, evidence or testimony. Um, the board of directors can also remove an article if they find the findings of fact that are turned into them for approval do not match the violation. If it doesn't match, they can remove that article and take it off. Uh, in cases of interboard arbitration, uh, panels now will consist of five members, and we determined how they're going to be selected as well. So um, clean that up a little bit. And then hearing panels can now go back more than three years or longer uh, to consider a history of past violations. So if somebody has committed violations consistently over a long period of time, uh, it used to read, hey, you can go back as many as three years. Uh, and now we're saying you can go back as many years as you need to uh, and see if this person was a repeat offender on this particular article or has a history of violating the code of ethics in order to, to uh, figure out what discipline you want to uh, impose. So those were the 22 and 23 changes to the Realtor Code of Ethics in a nutshell. Byron. Fantastic job, uh, Todd. Uh, thanks for your service. Um, you know, you've been active at the local board and the state association and the national association for the, the realtors out there watching. I know you're good at business, but you're also involved with associations. What would you say to a realtor that's thinking, is it worth my time to get involved, the local, state, national? What would you say to that realtor? I could say with great certainty that it's been instrumental in my career. Um, you know, I've been a top 1% agent my entire career, and part of that is, you know, we're in the relationship business, Byron, and so I, I establish relationships with other producers in the market through serving on committees and, and being involved and going to events. 
and when we're doing deals together, it's just easier, right? I know them, they know me, they trust me, I trust them. Uh, and so not only are you doing great work to make our, our realtor organization stronger and our business stronger, you're also developing lifelong relationships uh, with people who now you're not only colleagues, but you're friends. So um, I, you know, I've been able to do that at the local level and then serving at the state level and now at the national level. Uh, and it really does help you get things done. Super. And, and, you, and you mentioned it, but I just want to reemphasize what a big deal it is. Todd's going to be uh, on the National Association of Realtors in 2024. He'll be the vice chair of Professional Standards Committee. And in 2025, he'll be the, the chair of the National Association of Realtors Professional Standards Committee. Todd, kind of talk about your uh, experience on the National Association of Professional Standards and what these positions will mean for South Carolina and, and realtors. Sure. Uh, you know, it's been really exciting. I guess I've been on National Professional Standards for about six years now, Byron. And, um, you know, we basically take the code of ethics and modify it uh, based on things that happen. A lot of times people say, why are these things happening? Well, something's happened in a hearing or something's happened with procedure. And we look at it and say, all right, how can we make that better? How can we improve it? How can we clarify it? Uh, because like I said before, um, the... Uh, Realtor Code of Ethics is a living, breathing document, and it does need uh, to be attended to. We can't just, it's been out there for, what, 110 years now, right, since, two, uh, since um, 1913, if I remember correctly. So 110 years, and it's been constantly modified. And every year we look at different things that are, that are key points and, and things that happen. And, you know, we have a, a whole bunch on our plate every single year, you know, whether it's something semantics and wordsmithing something uh, or whether it's a major change like, uh, like we did when I first joined. Uh, my first thing was to make changes to the Fair Housing article, Article 10, right? And we brought in 10-5, and I know we'll talk about that later, but uh, that, was a, that was some pretty heavy lifting for the committee. And there were a lot of people who were passionate about making those changes, uh, you know, what are some of your goals for next year? Do you have any agenda items or anything you really want to get passed? You know, I, I just, I'm committed to making the code better, right? And to make it apply and, and to having agents enforce the code. You know, I think enforcement is the main thing. Um, one of the things that I'd like to see is, you know, we meet twice a year as a professional standards committee. We have, I would like to see more discussions on the hub where we can communicate about the issues that we're going to be seeing in May at the first meeting and then in November at the second meeting because we have a hundred people on this committee uh, and some of the smartest agents that I know in the country are on this committee and, and I'd like to use all of that brain power to make it better. Um, so I, I'd like to see a little bit of a procedural change as well as, you know, there's some ideas that I have for the code of ethics to improve it as well. So. Uh, you know, they, they typically come to us, and I think we as agents need to come to them and say, here's some things that we think need to be addressed. And I can tell you with great certainty that if that's brought to staff, that it gets to us on the committee and, and we address it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited about the opportunity. Uh, you know, when, it, when I look at my involvement in the association at the local, state, and national level, you know, the legal and ethical part of it has always been my thing. I mean, it's, it's what separates us from real estate practitioners, right? Um, every time I do a buyer presentation or a listing presentation, I pull out the code of ethics and tell them how I'm different, right? And, and I think it sets us apart. And, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like agents to start telling that story, especially in light of lawsuits and some of the things that are going on out there. You mentioned um, Article 10-5, which is the article that prohibits harassment speech based on our protected class categories. Uh, what, how was it when you were first getting, like, what was the climate around then, and 
what made this so important for you to want to be a part of getting these changes made to the yeah. Code of Ethics? Yeah, great question, Tiara. Um, we had a special meeting of the Professional Standards Committee. This is during uh, you know, a time where I believe uh, the, the Board of Directors was receiving, the National Board of Directors, which I also serve on, was receiving so many complaints. And most of the complaints were not uh, with regards to um, violations of Article 10. But uh, there's, there's a, uh, uh, something in the Code of Ethics Arbitration Manual that says that the, the Code of Ethics only applies inside a real estate transaction. So we were seeing hate speech against protected classes on social media, right? Everybody hides behind their keyboard warriors, right? And they hide behind their keyboard and they spew out all this hate. And we couldn't charge them with anything. But at the same time, I can tell you, we watched about an hour and a half of different videos that people had posted with hate speech and shooting off guns with their realtor pin on and then inviting people to their open house. And this was giving us a black eye as realtors, right? That's not who we are. And uh, we said, we have to do something about this. So uh, we called an emergency meeting of professional standards. Uh, we were all on Zoom from all over the country. And the outrage on the committee that this was happening in this day and age was overwhelming. You could see how passionate every member of the committee was. Uh, and you know, we decided that we we're going to remove the prohibition that hate speech could only be uh, you know, um, dealt with inside a real estate transaction. And we we're going to expand it to the lives because um, you know, you're representing yourself and people know what you do out in public. And for, for you to do that, it just, it really put a black eye on our whole profession. Uh, I was really proud of the committee and I can tell you that I probably in my 25 year professional career never been more proud to be a realtor than that moment when the board of directors went. <laughs> so it was, awesome. uh, it, was a, it was a pretty moving moment for, for real estate and for the committee and I was proud of the work we did. And, and uh, now we just, it's up to everyone out here listening to this to enforce it. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you for that. And what some of the biggest pushback that I see that people have with Article 10-5 is they feel like it is um, a restriction on their free speech or that it's going too far. Uh, did you guys consider that or, or think about that when making the choice? To yeah, absolutely. Um, and we had a lot of people you know, speak up and talk to that. We had legal uh, chime in. Uh, basically, the, the consensus was that our organization is a trade organization. Um, and you know, we're all members of this trade organization. It's just like if you, if you belong to a private club, there's rules, right? Yeah. And, if, and you have to follow the rules. And, and this is one of the rules. If you want to be a realtor, you have to subscribe to the code of ethics and to ethical treatment of all people. And we thought it was inappropriate for people to lash out and, and do, spew epithets and, and, um, and hate speech towards members of the public that they were supposed to be protecting and serving. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, you have free speech in your personal life, but there are repercussions that come with that free speech. Right, and, th and that, was, that was the thought of the committee and, and the association. Does that answer it? Yeah, that's Yeah, there's that's repercussions. You can, yeah. you can say whatever you want, but you know, you may be kicked out of the club. Exactly, <laughs> just like if you're in a movie theater, you can't scream fire exactly. or something like that. There, so. there are rules of conduct yes. uh, to, to belong to our association, and, and these people were clearly um, you know, putting something out to the public that was not good for anybody. It was right. not good for our image. And, and again, you know, we don't want those people in our association if that's the way they feel, right? Yes, exactly. Thank They're welcome you. to have a license and practice that way, but you know, if they can't, uh, if they can't uh, treat everybody fairly and equally, then you know, we have a problem with them.
Yeah, that's a good segue. Uh, the other thing that comes up when uh, Tara's point is if there was a complaint filed, it would be with a hearing panel of realtors. So it'd be reasonable that somebody's not going to be found in violation for saying Merry Christmas. We saw like, and you saw it too on the hotline, we see horrific uh, hate speech, slurs, just stuff that would uh, shock your conscience. I think it was, it was, but what I was saying is that there is a way, there's a safeguard for not uh, slippery slope. The hearing panels made of realtors. So they're going to use some judgment sure. when they have these things. And talking about hearing panels, because you've been a chair a long time, you've been on hearing panels. What are some of your top tips for hearing panels, especially on like Zoom, about decorum? Uh, yeah. Things like that? So, you know, we've kind of made a switch to Zoom, which uh, is way more convenient for most people. Uh, but I find it, you know, sometimes it can get a little bit casual, Byron, and this is a serious event, right? There, there's a violation of the code of ethics or there's arbitration. You know, I want people to show up dressed like they would uh, for, for a uh, hearing here at SCR, right? I think that's the first thing. I want them to, to address the parties as realtor so-and-so, not to use familial names, like not to use first names and things like that. Um, you, you need to... As a chair, you, you have to um, have proper decorum, right? And, and so you can't let people spout out. Everybody gets their turn. Um, I think that process is one of the most important things, due process, right? So everybody needs their time to speak. Everybody has to cross-examine. You know, everybody gets to make an opening statement, a final statement. Um, it needs to be consistent, right? Uh, everybody needs to be treated the same. Uh, and, you know, that's why we have a script, as chairs, right? And that's why, you know, I don't deviate, you've seen me, I don't deviate much from the script, right? Uh, if somebody gets out of hand, you're going to say, hey, we can't do that. It's, it'll be your time to ask questions or, or provide testimony later. So, you know, I think getting it, getting everybody calm, you know, and, and making sure that the panel is professional, professionally dressed, uh, ready, has read all the materials before they get there, understands that we're not trying to decide if this was a bad deal or a, or a good deal. We're trying to decide if there was a violation of the code of ethics, right? Or we're trying to decide who gets the money. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it's, it's a daunting task. Uh, it's one that a lot of realtors don't want because you basically have to stand in judgment of your peers. And sometimes it's very difficult. But I can tell you from serving on hearing panels for 20 plus years that I've learned a lot about what to do and what not to do. And, think, and, and you probably will agree with me, 90 plus percent of the things could have been solved with better communication uh, and these sorts of things, right? Uh, better processes, uh, people had a thought about it a little bit more. Most of them are not intentional, right? That most of the violations of the code, they didn't say, I'm intentionally gonna violate the code because I don't care. Sometimes it's training, right? Brokers in charge can help with that. Uh, that's why we have triannual, uh, triannual uh, ethics uh, um, mandatory, right? So for, for all realtors to, uh, to do it every three years. Uh, and, you know, it used to be every two years. I wish it was still every two years. Shoot, I'd probably go for every year, you know. You, you can't hear about the code of ethics enough, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a good point, because that kind of opened my eyes. What you were saying was you almost kind of put yourselves in the shoes of the respondent. You want them to feel like they got treated fairly, they got treated professionally, but when they walk out of there, the goal is not to discipline them, it's to lift them up, right, to educate Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah, you'll see I rarely, and I have given fines over the years, but, you know, typically you want, to, you want it to be a learning experience, right? That was an unintentional uh, breach. Uh, give them a little bit of education, you know, uh, for whatever the subject might have been, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe a letter of reprimand, 
like, hey, you can't do that. And, you know, I rarely, I don't think in 25 years I've ever seen anybody come in front of me twice. So, you know, I think that people learn. You don't see a lot of repeat offenders, you know. And again, unintentional, um, you know, make it a learning experience for them. Sometimes we get members of the public who call about our uh, process and our grievance panel and those type of things, and they feel like if someone in our membership does do something against the code of ethics that we're going to protect them from, you know, being prosecuted for that violation, kind of like, oh, y'all are just going to let them get away with it, basically, and I explain that's not the whole purpose of the whole system. It's actually to weed out, you know, bad actors or to educate people to bring them up to a certain standard, not necessarily to protect someone who's done something wrong. I think that's a misconception that some members of the public may have that we're not actually, you know, going through this whole no, I, I agree with you, and uh, you know I've meted out a lot of punishment right. <laughs> on committees over the years. Um, you know, just because again, we we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Um, for me, the code of ethics uh, is a, an absolute minimum standard, right? It's the minimum standard uh, for real estate. So you know, I aspire to something even more than that, right? So. Um, so we, we want to make sure that these people understand that if they did something wrong, there's repercussions to that, and we're going to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And um, and again, that's something they should be telling the public as they as they you know, present themselves for representation, saying, "Hey, I'm a realtor, and as such, I've subscribed to a code of ethics. Here's what that means, and here's what that means. If if there's a problem, you have recourse." And and again, um, you know, I would rather them sit in front of somebody who understands real estate. Mm -hmm. Uh, to be judged than somebody who doesn't, right? right. Because we, we know, uh, you know what should have been done. And, you know, uh, you, you mentioned uh, a good thing for, for chairs and panels not to do is not to preach to the people and say, well, why do you do it? In my office, we do it this way. Never do that, right? Um, you know, so. And, and I've actually seen it happen, and I've said, no, we don't go there. You know, I'm going to stop them right away. That was great tips for the chairs and the panel. Um, kind of the meat and potato today, though, we, one of the reasons we brought you in here because, A, you're a good speaker, well-qualified. We wanted to kind of promote mediation. We're seeing our uh, hearings and complaints go up, uh, arbitrations over money, ethics disputes. What are some of uh, the pros of mediation and ombudsman? What do, what do you say when people when they're saying, why should I get involved with mediation or ombudsman as a... Sure. Yeah, so the two processes, as you know, are a little bit different. Ombudsman is a little bit more casual, right? Um, you know, so I'm going to uh, reach out to Tierra and I'm going to speak with her about the issue and then I'm going to talk to you about the issue and then I'm going to see if I can find some middle ground, right? And uh, Mediation is going to be, we're probably on Zoom and we've got a set time and it's not back and forth. Ombudsman could occur. I've had two weeks to solve one before. You know, and just, you just keep going back and forth until the parties agree. Uh, but in terms of the benefit of it, if you're talking about um, an arbitration over money, um, the two parties get to decide what the outcome is going to be, uh, which I really like. So uh, when, when I'm hearing an arbitration as a panel member or as a chair, at the end of it, I'm going to decide who is the procuring cause of that sale. And that person is getting 100% of the money. And the truth is, I've rarely seen a case where the person deserved 100% of the money. The other party had probably done a lot of work as well. And, but whoever the procuring cause is, you know, based on a, a number of factors, uh, is going to get all the money. Well, in arbitration, each party gets to decide, hey, what was my part worth? And also it helps preserve 
business relationships. If I have to do a deal with you later and I've taken you to arbitration and gotten all the money, you're probably not going to want to work with me again, right? And it's going to be a detriment to my client. Uh, so uh, plus there's, it's quicker, right? I do, I do mediation. Um, I get all that weight off of my shoulders um, and we solve the problem, right? Realtors, by their very nature, are problem solvers. That's what we do. We solve everybody else's problems. We should be able to solve our own. So I really like uh, arbitration. Uh, in fact, I've been a, a mediator uh, for 17 years, maybe going into 18 years now, and we've su I've successfully mediated every case. Uh, and I, I say I, the parties have said, you know, I've led them down the path to success, right? Uh, because you're just opening up the line of communication. As we spoke earlier, Tierra and I were talking, um, I, I think that one of the big things is you've got to get them past the anger. They're angry. They want all the money. They think that you did something wrong. And a lot of times when, they, when you get them in a mediation and they hear the other side's story and they go, man, I don't like my chances as much as I did before. Maybe we should just go ahead and solve this and get it behind us. Uh, so uh, mediation is a fantastic uh, process. It's also great for ethics. Right, um, you know. So I really like citation. I really like mediation for ethics. Uh, any way that we can solve this without having to bring in other people and let the party solve it and, and come to a resolution. Uh, I did an ombudsman uh, for somebody at one time, and uh, basically uh, there were some things that were thrown out of their house. They told the realtor to take care of some stuff. Well, they, the realtor threw away their favorite chair, and um, it just came back to. Hey, give me like a, a little bit of money for that favorite chair and, you know, I'll drop the charges for this ethics violation. And the realtor said, oh, I'd be happy to do that. So instead of having to go through the whole process, the member of the public got what they want and the realtor, you know, uh, didn't, didn't have to, to face up. Um, the other thing that's great about um, either arbitration uh, uh, mediation or uh, ethics mediation is that every option is on the table. Um, if somebody comes to you as, as legal staff and says, well, and you say, well, what's your end game? What do you want? And they want money. We can't give them money as a, as a hearing panel, but the realtor can decide, yeah, that's best for me. Let, let me go ahead and do that. So all the options are on the table. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a plethora of options versus very limited options for a hearing panel. So uh, I've just, I really think it's a great process back in 2000 and 17 or 18, I was maybe 18. Was I legal and ethical chair then? Maybe 19. Um, we, I came to the board of directors and said, we have the option of having mandatory um, mediation before arbitration. And I know that's cut down somewhat on the amount of cases that we have to, to hear uh, on arbitration panels. Uh, so, you know, that's been instrumental. And, and again, realtors are problem solvers. It, it's uh, it's not unreasonable to think they should be able to solve these problems themselves without having to go and have somebody else do it. Because if they want somebody to decide, I'll decide for them. They might not like the decision. That's a good point, because a lot of people think, oh, mediators, there's some lawyer, some removed, but they're realtors. They're, they're you, there are other realtors that are trained. Uh, Todd's thinking about going to the NAR mediator school in the future. Um, he's been to our state training, he's been to local training. So if you're interested in being a mediator, sign up for one of these classes. And I like what you said, it's quicker. Uh, if it's money involved, uh, both sides, it's win-win is one way I, I talk it about really it. It really is, it really is. And that's, you know, as a mediator, people uh, misconstrue what we do. Um, we lead the discussion between the parties so they can come to their own decision about how they want to, to resolve the situation. We don't make a decision. You know, I don't say, hey, here's the answer. 
um, you know, I say, you know, what do you want? What do you want? And we go back and forth. And, you know, I've had, I've had mediations that were eight, nine hours. And then I've, you know, but, but I use some scripts and things that cut mine down considerably after that one. You know, I, I basically tell people if, uh, I find that if the parties are reasonable and uh, both reasonable and intelligent, this shouldn't take longer than two hours for us to get it resolved. And I do like this. And I wait until their head bobs, until, <laughs> until I stop with mine. And I just keep going. And once they do this, I know it's just a matter of time. So, but, you know, I think everybody thinks they're reasonable uh, and they think they're intelligent. And so uh, it, they need to prove it to me. Yeah, and you can even get an apology a lot on the public. Like, I just want him to say I'm sorry. In sure. the hearing, you don't get that. But no. with the mediation, you could. Exactly. Um, and I'm kind of springing something on Tierra and, uh, and, and Todd. Did you have questions on anything we've covered here before I um, surprise you guys? What about uh, confidentiality throughout this process? Um, what if I'm sitting on a panel, but I know the respondent or the complainant? Can I continue to... Uh, be a part of that panel? Yeah, you, you can. You just can't disseminate any information, you know, afterwards. And, and you can't let, if you don't think you can be um, impartial, you need to remove yourself, right? So, uh, you know, as, as uh, an association, you typically vet the people. Uh, they're also vetted through the complainant and respondent and said, do you object to any of these people? So if they had a problem with you, they would remove you. They would say, nope, nope, you can't have Tierra. She, we've had a bad deal before and I think she couldn't do well. Um, but, um, yeah, I've had, I've sat on, uh, I was on the, uh, local board professional standards for about 20 years. And, um, and of course I had to sit on a lot of grievance committees and a lot of professional standards with, against people I knew, right? And so we, we had to judge them, but, uh, they respected me enough and knew that I was going to look at, I was just going to base it not on our relationship, but based on the information, right? So I don't read anything into it. You present what you have and then we look at it and we make a decision, you know, peer judgment based on you know, what we think should happen. Super. Yeah, and I'm kind of throwing a curveball to y'all. Um, on the hotline, earnest money disputes is a pretty common thing. And this will be an abbreviated mock mediation, but you'll kind of see how Todd works as the mediator. So, Todd, you can be the mediator. We've got the, your cheat sheet there. It's a failed deal, $1,000 earnest money. I'm the seller. Tara's the, uh, the buyer in the failed deal. We're disputing $1,000 earnest money. We each accuse each other of breaching the contract. Um, and we each kind of, uh, we've got our little notes here, but kind of, if you were starting with us, we're at a table and you're going to arbitrate a thousand, I mean, mediate a thousand dollar earnest money, how, kind of you do an abbreviated version of that. Yeah, sure. So you, you, first you want to let people know uh, that you're happy that they're here, that they're willing to solve the problem, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, and then you're going to give them their alternatives if they're not able to do it, right? Because I think people, uh, they need to know that this is the best alternative uh, is to solve it themselves without having to go through uh, and that sort of thing. Um, because if, if you can't decide on it, it's probably going to go to court. You know, and then you're going to hire a lawyer and you're going to be tied up in court and, you know, what, what legal fees are going to be involved at, you know, I'm not sure what you guys charge anymore, but I'm sure it's pretty, you know, there's been inflation, right? So the, the legal fees are going to be a little more expensive. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go over your alternatives if we can't get this solved today or this, right? And then, you know, I'm going to let them talk about the problem, but only for five minutes each, right? Because we're not here, and then I'm going to make the statement, we're not here to talk about the problem, we're here to talk about the solution. So if I catch you, either of you talking about the problem again, I'm going to say, no, we can't do that. We're only going to talk about the solution. I'm going to tell them that, you know, uh, that I found that intelligent and reasonable people can usually solve this, and in an earnest money dispute of this size, it shouldn't take more than an hour. Do you have an hour that we can go ahead and solve this? 
Yes. And and I'll do like this, and I'll wait for them to, <laughs> to shake their heads, and and uh, and I'll say, Barn, you know, tell me about the situation, and you'll tell me, and because she may not know how you feel and what your point of view is, right? So she's hearing you and go, oh, man, I, I see why I would feel that way. And then I'll say, well, Tiara, tell me about how you feel. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. By the way, it's, not, it's never about feelings. It's always about facts, right? In any case, right? So it doesn't really matter. But I want, I got to get past the anger uh, in order to get to a resolution. And, um, and then I'll say, well, uh, you know, it looks like we, we have $1,000 in dispute. Tira, what would you be willing to do to make this go away today? So you could get all this hatred out of your heart, be finished up, and move on with your life. What, what, what is that worth to you today? You can almost take it separately, right? And kind yeah, of, it's I almost do. like making a deal, right? Yeah, yeah. so I, I'll, I'll, once we talk and you both say, tell your sides, I'll separate the two of you, right? And, and we're doing a lot of these on Zoom now. I, I've done them in person for years, uh, but we're doing a lot of them on Zoom. Uh, at this point. So I'll, we'll just put them in a different room and we'll talk this way and you'll say, you know, and what's your answer? What would you be willing to do today? Well, I, my problem is I felt that they didn't disclose something so I didn't want to go forward with purchasing the house and I think I'm entitled to the earnest money based on that. Um, but, you know, at this point I've already purchased the home and I need to get my HVAC system fixed. So, you know, I'm not really trying to get a lot of court costs and things like that. I but I also don't want to just lose my whole $1,000. Sure. Yeah, I understand that. Um, what would you say would be fair? What do you think would be fair? A lot of times you want to see where, where fairness is, right? Because there, there may be a zone of possible agreement, a ZOPA, if you will. Anybody who went to Harvard Law School and studied negotiation, which I did, uh, which is kind of cool. I'm not a lawyer, by the way, so I just, I just studied negotiation and I teach it. Uh, but, you know, there's got to be this zone of possible agreement where you're willing to do this much and Byron's willing to do this much. And where it overlaps is where we're going to find the common ground where we get it done, right? Right. Well, I, I So I need a number. I need it. If we're talking about money, you've got to get to a number, right? You, yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to split it in half. I would want to make a little bit more than half okay. of the money, but still be reasonable. Okay. What would you say? Would $600 Yeah, actually, fair? that's the number that's in my head. Okay. Yeah. Great. So now I'm going to go back to Byron in his other you know, Zoom room or whatever. And I'm going to say, Byron, I was talking to Tierra. She'd like to put this behind her. She's being very reasonable, by the way. Right. So because you think she's unreasonable. So there's a third party who said, hey, she's being reasonable. She's willing to compromise in order to get this done, to put this behind him. Are, are you willing to compromise a little? Yeah. I mean, listening to her, I, I thought she was in breach, but hearing some of her story, you know, I realized what happened. Maybe I didn't understand it at the time. So um, I've already bought another house, so now I've got two mortgages. Um, so I'd be willing to settle for $300. Okay. Great. Um, she offered you $400. I could live with that. And she'll take 600 and we're done. Wow. So, you know, you know, You're it, good it, at this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, you know it's, the parties are controlling the outcome at the end. Um, so, and that's the thing to remember. You're just leading them down the path. Now, sometimes you maybe have to lead them a little harder <laughs> to pull them, uh, drag them a little bit. Um, and, you know, there, there are a lot of techniques that you'll use in mediation that you'll learn in the training. By the way, some of the best training folks you can have, and when I was legal and ethical chair for the state, um, I really pushed mediation. If you remember, 
we brought Stephanie Walker in, we brought her again the next year, and we said, we in Columbia, South Carolina, where, which is my market, for years we had two certified mediators, myself and Andy Walker, for a number, of, it was 10 years. And so anything that was heard, Andy or I had to hear it. And so when I got that job you know, at the state, I was like, we have to have more uh, certified mediators because they're problem solvers. They can help other agents. Um, and not only can you help uh, mediate deals, but it will help you with your girlfriend, it'll help you with your wife, it'll help you with your children, it'll help you with your dog, it'll help you with your cat. Well, not really the cat, the cats don't care. Um, you know, they, 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 they got a little bit more uh, attitude. Uh, but it will help you in life, right? It'll, it'll, it'll help you be better at bringing people together. It'll help you with your clients. I mean, we mediate things with our clients all the time, right? We have differences of opinion and, uh, you know, so uh, I think it's really useful training. As you said, there's a two-day uh, and I believe as incoming vice chair, they might send me, uh, you know, so uh, yeah, I think we were having that conversation with Stephanie Walker. She said, I think they'll send you. And, and I've done the training, I believe, with Brute's Eye once and then with Stephanie Walker twice over the last 17 years. Uh, but I'd like to, do, I've heard the one in Chicago is fantastic and well worth it. Everybody I've talked to who's been. Uh, so if you can't do that one, do the SCR one. It's a one day training and there's a one day ombudsman as well. Uh, both of them are fantastic. Yeah, so when you bring us back together, so in this situation, $1,000 held by broker in charge, they're going to need a, a disbursement agreement. So some of the paperwork, you might use an agreement to mediate, right? You'd have us yes. fill it out, sign that. Um, you could also use like uh, the SCR 518, the release, where they we could release each other and disperse the earnest money. Yeah, so absolutely. To do that. And uh, folks, uh, don't write up these things yourself unless you're having a law degree. Um, I call SCR every time I mediate something, <laughs> and, uh, and I say, here's the intent of the parties, and we put it on the sheet, and we send it back to everybody, and they sign it, and, you know, so and you can let the parties write it, <laughs> but you can't do it yourself. Am I correct? Good point. Yeah, and that's an excellent segue. Uh, you can kind of take a break. We made you talk a lot, but you can kind of take a break for a minute. We always do a top 10 hotline, so we're getting ready to do that. Thanks to our CFO, Alan, who compiles our member, benef our member reports monthly. Uh, he's tracking complaints and hearings are going up. So that's one reason we brought Todd in here because we think uh, Ombudsman can help solve some of our ethics complaints without a hearing. And of course, his, uh, when he was chair, he got that mandatory uh, mediation attempt to help solve some arbitrations without hearings. But our, here's our top tens for October. Number 10, earnest money. You just heard uh, we did a, a mock mediation on that. Um, number nine was a tie between property management and state laws. Uh, number eight was MLS issues. Uh, number seven is disclosure issues. Reminder to use SCR 230, the seller disclosure, to help protect you on disclosure issues. Uh, number six was compensation, mediation, arbitration, which is another reason we brought you in today, Todd. Number five is due diligence. Number four, ethics and professionalism, uh, which dovetails right in with our mediation ombudsman talk. Three is advertising. Two is license law questions, and usually number one is always forms. So forms is our top hotline. Some things that came up on the on the hotline off on the, under the other subject. Other was uh, number uh, number three, I think. But uh, do not call. Make sure you check in your federal do not call registries and your broker do not call registries before you make that call on those leads because there are laws against calling and soliciting people on the phone if they've registered their phone with uh, those registries. Also, kind of hand in glove with that, email marketing to leads. Make sure you're following what they call the CAN-SPAM Act, which means you have to say this is a commercial solicitation email 
offer a free way to opt out of receiving those emails and then honor those opt out requests. And uh, let's see, so some other things we're talking about, um, time to bring it back in on this one. So exclusive right to sell, you know, everybody's been watching the lawsuits out, out in the Midwest and now in South Carolina and other states, New York and Texas. Kind of what's your number one tip with it? Say I'm the seller and you're, you're going to list my house. Um, how do you explain to me that all compensation is negotiable and why is it my interest of a seller to offer a co-op to some? Sure. Somebody? Yeah. So basically, you know, I'm going to say here is my listing fee for your home and here's what I'm going to do for that fee, Byron. All right. So if you hire me and you pay me my listing fee, you have one agent trying to sell your home, right? There's a lot of buyers, agents out there who are working with buyers who have compensation agreements with their buyers uh, that will show your house if I agree to compensate them. Let me tell you, uh, you know, we can compensate. Here's my fee and my fee, you know, is negotiable. You know, I'll take more, right? Uh, but uh, uh, let's talk about a fee for them that would get you the most showings, which would net you the most money. All right. So, you know, if, and, and I'll ask them, I'll say, do you think a lower fee would bring more interest in your home to, to the buyer's agents? So they say no. So what about a you know, what about a fee that's somewhere somewhat close to the middle? They go, yeah, that'd probably be okay. And so what about a higher fee? Would that get you more showings and potentially more offers and potentially net more money? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, let's talk about what that would look like. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about, uh, you know, uh, percentages because it could be look like antitrust. But, you know, I basically want to show them their options and that offering a Cobrook fee is a good idea because it's going to get their house 5,000 people instead of, instead of one trying to sell it. And then setting that fee at something that is going to attract the most agents with the most buyers uh, is up to them, right? So we're going to talk about where that is. Super. And then like in our mock mediation tier with the buyers to so say you're going to sign her up as a buyer client, buyer agency agreement. What's kind of your top tip to buyer agents about explaining their value and negotiable compensation is always negotiable for yeah. them? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for me and... I think we're going to have to change the conversations that have been had over the last you know, 25 years. Uh, I've done it the same way for 25 years, and I've always explained my value proposition. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to charge you. Now, there could be a situation, uh, Tierra, where um, I'm being offered compensation that will offset what you've committed to me. And that, in that case, you would not be having to pay me because the seller is offering compensation through a crowbroke arrangement. I explain how that works. Um, but, you know... There's, there's a great thing on competition.realtor. I think it's the 105 things that a buyer's agent does for you. Um, I think that's, very, that's instrumental to having a buyer presentation. Um, I find that about 95% of agents do not have a buyer presentation. They have a listing presentation, but they have no idea how to show their value to buyers. So uh, that should be something that be, should be included in your listing, I mean your buyer presentation. Um, I always do a buyer counseling. I don't meet anybody at the property. I don't meet them at the house. Um, I have them come in in a place of business where we can talk about setting up a relationship where I can represent and protect them and help them, right? And seeing if we're a good fit. I mean, it's, it's two-way communication. I'm showing my value, but I want to make sure that they are sincere and able, uh, you know, to purchase a home. And then, you know, if they are, then I'll, I'll be willing to help them. Uh, so, you know, you're always going to explain what you do, what it's going to potentially cost them. Uh, and then there is the potential that that compensation that they would owe you is offset. Uh, so, but th those are things you have to have up front, not when you find a house. So <laughs> would you ever show someone maybe like 20 homes without getting a buyer agency signed? 
And then maybe the 21st home, you weren't available, so they went and saw it with another agent. Now, <laughs> I've heard of agents doing this, but I've never done it. Uh, in fact, I've never put anybody in my car without a buyer agency agreement. And why is that? Um, one, I'm very uncomfortable in what would have been sub-agency in the past, uh, where I was basically a sub-agent for the seller when I walked into their home with a buyer who I wasn't representing. Uh, two, in the past in South Carolina, it's not the case anymore. Um, so this is, this is my thought process, right? Um, if you had to have a, uh, a buyer or a seller, a client in the transaction in order to receive a commission in the state of South Carolina for many, many, many years. Um, so I was like, well, you know, if I don't represent you, who am I representing? Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't trust me enough to hire me and I don't trust you enough to work with you, then why should we be going out and, and, and dancing? Uh, so I, I don't put people in, in my car without one. Um, I basically, uh, I basically use a script to kind of guide them through. And I, you better have showed your value proposition before you do what I'm about to say, right? But I'm going through the 105 things that I'm doing for them. And, that, and then I say, Tierra, have you ever been in a relationship? And what does everybody say every time? Yes. 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 How does it work when one party or the other is not 100% committed? How does it turn out? It's going to end. It, it, and not well, yeah. right? That's been my experience as well. Well, today, I'm willing to commit 100% of my effort, time, and knowledge to helping you accomplish your real estate goals. But in return, I expect 100% commitment from you. Is that fair? Yes, that's fair. So we've had the compensation about my value, and I'm saying, I'm going to do what you need me to do, and I'm going to be there for you, and 100% of my devotion is to you, but I expect the same thing. And I think once you've showed your value, you can have that conversation. And every single time for 25 years, they said, where do I sign? So, but they, again, they understood what I was bringing to the table. And then I said, look, you know, again, I'm, I'm taking time away from my family, my friends, what I want to do to help you accomplish your goals. But in return, you know, we, we have to be loyal to each other. You made a good point about bringing them into the office, kind of realtor safety led into another one of our member benefits is the forewarn app. Uh, it's a way to look up people by their phone number or their name, get an instant background check. It's part of your overall safety protocols. It's not 100% guaranteed to stop bad actors, but... Bringing them into the office, a way to deter them, you know, collecting information about them so they know, hey, somebody saw me with Todd. If I go out to the showing and try to rob him or kidnap him, somebody's going to find me. So it's kind of a deterrence sure. thing. Uh, and Terry, you want to give your spiel about uh, how to use 41, please? Yes, you want to use it ethically. You only want to use it in reference to your real estate transaction. Let's say you're about to take someone to go see houses or you're about to get ready for a listing agreement meeting or something like that. You wouldn't want to use it outside of the scope of those things to look up friends or family members or people that you're dating. You want to stay within the scope of uh, the use and the terms of agreement. Uh, but we have been seeing great results with safety and helping with land scams uh, lately, which is a, a thing that's on the rise. You can actually check to see if someone owns the property. Of course, it's not 100%, but typically if you actually own the property, your name is going to show up as the owner or you know as your previous address if you sold the property or something like that uh, so it, it has been really helping and it's also been helping with certain safety concerns uh, like buyers who you know they only want to meet at 
random like locations that are away from everyone they don't want to come to the office things like that uh, for your safety you may want to just double check that on forewarn and make sure that everything is up to par and if something ever feels strange or feels off most likely it is and give us a call and we can walk you through that because a lot of these situations are the same thing just different locations and different agents are involved but it's kind of the same uh, stories as far as scams super and then Todd this is the part of the show where we do is it legal it's a game show Tara is very sure. familiar with it um, so Tara I'll ask you the first question is it legal uh, the amount of compensation in the listing broker agreement or the buyer agency agreement is it negotiable Yes, it's always negotiable and it's no set standard that everyone has to use. This is negotiated based on, as Todd was saying, your value proposition, what you can provide to that seller, what you can provide to the buyer. Uh, and you want to be able to show those things for either side of the transaction. That's correct. All right. And then Todd, uh, is it legal? Um, can the mediator or the ombuds person later sit on the hearing panel on ethics or arbitration or the board directors that are ratifying the decision or even the appeal hearing? No, they cannot, Byron. That's correct. Tierra, uh, is it legal? You must check do not call registries, both federal and your brokerage. Do not call registries before cold calling leads. Yes, you always want to do this because you could be in violation if you do call someone that is actually on those do not call lists. Correct. Todd, is it legal? Is a mediation attempt required prior to a South Carolina Association Realtor arbitration hearing on money commission disputes? Absolutely. I brought that to the board of directors when I was legal and ethical chair, so I think it was a great change. Correct. To <laughs> All right, and then, uh, Tara, any questions? I'm going to kind of wrap it up with some of our uh, advertisements, but if you have any more on your list. Um, no, I don't, and I just thank you for this, and I think it would be good for us to do another one of these, maybe talking more about that value proposition and how to have those conversations, because maybe you've, of course, been doing this um, for a while, but maybe someone who hasn't ever had that conversation about the value they bring as a buyer agent, I think it's important that we start doing some training or just podcasts or just things to educate people on how to have those conversations, how to show that uh, proposition and value to our clients. I agree. I'm actually, uh, here's, here's a little uh, commercial for us. So I'm, I'm an ABR instructor, I'm an NAR instructor, but I teach the accredited buyers representative. I actually helped write that program, uh, rewrite that program with NAR. And we're doing one at CCRA here in Columbia, which is open to all SCR members, as you know. We don't just make it for CCRA. But I'm going to be teaching the ABR on April 9th and 10th, uh, coming up in 2024. And I think given the climate with the law change, you know, with the uh, lawsuits and things, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a couple of different tacks and really concentrate and drill down on some of these things that, that have been problematic uh, and help people with their overall buyer business. Super. And uh, part of our advertisement, Tara, you want to talk about the uh, license plate you're, yes. and the grant program you're working on now? This is our South Carolina American Dream uh, home ownership license plate. And you can purchase one of these and your contribution for purchasing this will go towards a fund where we support local habitats who are doing new builds on affordable housing. And each year we uh, allow any habitats to apply in the state. And then the money that is in the fund from purchases of this license plate, we just divide it equally between the applicants. So everyone gets a, a equal number and then they use it towards the projects that they're already working on or things that they will be working on in 2024. So we um, encourage you all to buy the license plate because it helps build up that fund. 
Super. And then uh, Todd's talked about the lawsuits. Uh, uh, Nick Kremitis, CEO Nick Kremitis, the legal team, Tara, Austin, and myself, we can come to your board, we can come to your office, we can do Zoom, we can do tr updates, legal updates on that, and a variety of things, mediation, ombudsman, or even the lawsuits. Uh, for 2024, for association executives, uh, you've got new incoming board of directors, you've got new chairs and vice chairs. Uh, the South Carolina Association of Realtors legal team can do Zoom or live training on board responsibilities, talking about things like how you're insured as a volunteer, how you have immunity as a volunteer if you do what you're supposed to do by reading the information, relying on accountants and, and lawyers that are given uh, professional advice to the board, uh, and that the board can indemnify you. To, and that's all to get you to volunteer so you're not out there getting your house, getting a lien put against it. It's to encourage volunteers. We can talk about Robert's Rules of Order, talk about issues like social media, um, employment issues, which is a high risk when you're serving on board directors for an MLS or an association. Harassment issues, you heard us talking about 10-5. Alcohol, drugs, mental crime, things like that we can cover with your board of directors. Thanks, Mike Crest. He's uh, doing the producing, the editing, and directing today. Sharon Stone for the marketing. Shante Alban, the uh, hotline CSR up front. Thanks, thanks to Lindsay Pittman, our professional standards administrator. Thank you, Todd, uh, Thank for you. coming in. Remember, we got our awards gala uh, for South Carolina Association of Realtors December 14th. Capital Conference 2024 is coming up quick, Todd. January 31st will be our Capital Conference here in Columbia. And in closing, uh, any last words from you, Todd? No, I appreciate the opportunity to come in and speak. Uh, I would encourage everybody to, uh, to volunteer, to get out there to, to serve at your local level, at the state level, uh, and at the national level. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Super. Terry, any last words? Well, thank you guys, and I look forward to um, continuing conversations like these. And thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Yeah, and this is our December podcast. So in closing, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year 2024, Happy Holidays, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and others. Realtors, keep it safe, legal, and profitable. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Thank you.